Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What we know of Enoch is he had faith, and it was by faith he was taken up. He was caught up into the presence of God, where he never died, never tasted death. He just transitioned from here, life here, to life in the presence of the Father forever. And it was by faith. So his faith was connected to that event. It was by faith that Enoch was caught up to heaven to be with the Lord, not by any good works that Enoch performed, but faith alone. Naturally, when you have sincere faith, you'll begin to do good works out of thankfulness to the Lord. Today, Pastor James will be challenging you to examine yourself to see if you're truly in the faith. If you say that you believe in the Lord, you'll obey His commands. Does your life reflect that you've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? If not, it's time to surrender and repent today. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James begins his message, Heroes of the Faith, Enoch. Verse 5 and 6 from Hebrews. I'm going to be in the ESV. It says, the, by faith, Enoch. Okay, so what, what we need to remember is Hebrews 11, verse 1 talks about this is faith. This is what it means to have faith. And faith is confidence um, in, you know, uh, well, let me just, I don't want to quote it because I'll butcher it. Faith is the assurance or confidence in the things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, right? So that's the definition of faith. And so from there on out, Hebrews is going to, the author of Hebrews is going to lay out practical, personal examples of here are people who lived out faith in their lives. So like I said, we saw Abel, and by faith, he offered a sacrifice that was acceptable. Uh, And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Fascinating. This is like, these two verses are just so deep in and of themselves. It's like crazy how deep these are. But here we have this mystery man named Enoch. Uh, and so we'll, we'll walk through Hebrews, these two verses, a little bit. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 5. And then, like I said before, we'll jump over into Jude. But it says, by faith, Enoch. So what we know about Enoch from the book of Hebrews is the fact that he was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. He had confident uh, assurance in God. And not just in God. I mean, these two verses tell us, again, all we need to know about him. He believed that God exists that he existed, okay? And you may be thinking like, yeah, but he was back in the beginning. So they all believed that God existed. They didn't all worship God, okay? They didn't all worship God. And there's even not, not even really a guarantee that they all believe that he actually even existed. But what we know of Enoch is he had faith. 
And it was by faith he was taken up. He was caught up into the presence of God, where he never died, never tasted death. He just transitioned from here, life here, to life in the presence of the Father forever. And it was by faith. So his faith was connected to that event, right? So what this, these are all like really little cool things that if we start to break these things down, it's like, it wasn't that he was just like, he had a good relationship with God. He lived his life really well. And God was like, hey, I want you with me, so I'm going to take you up. Yes, that's true. However, it was by faith that he walked with God. And it was by faith that he was taken up. So there's some ideas there that maybe God perhaps had told him at one point in time, you're never going to die. You're never going to taste death. One of these days, I'm going to take you up. We can, I mean, we can, that's a speculation type thing. Can't be real dogmatic on that. But there's no harm nor foul in saying like, yeah, God probably told him, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And so we believe that it was his faith was connected to whatever God had told him. Because it's by faith, Enoch was taken up. So he had a relationship with God. He had a really good relationship with God, actually. Um, and in, in the midst of a, a generation that was very much so against God. Okay, He, he was around uh, during the days leading up to Noah's existence, right? Now, he, well, I'll throw you out some timeline stuff in a second, but um, he would go on to pass away, or he didn't pass away. My, forgive me. He didn't pass away. He was raptured up. I'm going to say raptured, okay? I'm gonna, I can beat around that word. It doesn't technically say that, but let's just say, let's call it what it was. Um, he was. He was caught up, um, uh, rapturos, I believe is the word there, but uh, right before Noah came onto the scene, Okay, but if you know anything about Noah in Genesis chapter six, uh, chapter six and seven, um, the days in which they lived were very corrupt, very much so like the days in which we live, we find ourselves today. Okay, Uh, and and that was like that's just how it was. We think it's all I I don't know why, but in my brain, when I'm going through Genesis chapter five, I'm thinking like. Yeah, I mean, all these guys, because technically Adam was alive for, you know, almost, you know, when all these guys started showing up. So they could have talked to great, 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 great grandpa Adam about him walking with God in the garden and all that stuff, right? What we know humanity-wise, speaking of, you know, just those who are living on the earth, is that there was just tremendous amounts of rebellion. I mean, it was dark. It was dark. And the days were growing darker the closer, like, you know, Noah is born and all this good stuff. But this is when Enoch lived. So it wasn't like he had it easy. It wasn't like he would grow up in this sheltered environment and everybody loved God and everybody was walking with God because it, nobody, it doesn't say that about anybody. It says it about Enoch. So this is about him, specifically just him. I'm not saying that nobody else had a relationship with God or anything like that, but the Bible pinpoints this one man who was growing up in a very rebellious environment as somebody who, by faith, pleased God because of his relationship with God. So he, was, he, was, he would get caught up. He would get uh, taken. Um, what I like about this verse is uh, he was taken up so that he should not see death. And then the last, the little part there, a little add-on, it says, 
and he was not found, meaning people were looking for Enoch, because that's what you do when your loved ones go missing. We don't ever think about that, though, do we? He was taken up. And do you not think about his family that was like, hey, where did Enoch go? His kids? He had kids. We know he had kids. He had a wife. He had a, grand, he had a father. He had a mother. He had a great-grandfather. He had a great-great-great-grandfather who was still alive when he was born and still alive when he was taken up. I, I just love how sometimes simple the Word of God is, and it just exposes these like very common, natural things of like, oh, yeah, probably, people were probably looking for this guy. Do we, I, don't, I never even stopped to think about that. In studying and preparing for this, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's gone. Of course people are going to look for him. And that's what it says. He was not found, meaning somebody or lots of people probably, because they knew who he was, were looking for Enoch. So in the midst of a generation that is progressively getting worse, this one guy who was following the Lord Jesus, he was, or I say Lord Jesus, you understand what I mean by that. He was walking with God, was there one moment and gone the next. And, and all, all of his story kind of points to this thing we call the rapture. I mean, it really does kind of hint towards that. And I know that, you know, the rapture is, um, the, the concept itself is, 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 is close-fisted, right? Like, we, it's going to happen. The timing of it is that's what's debatable, right? Because we have friends who are like, it's not, there's no such thing as a pre-trib rapture, right? And there's good, dear friends of ours who believe that. No, it's post-trip, uh, at the end of it all. And I'm like, well, then what are you raptured from? Um, like, what's, it's all done. It's all said and done. Like, what were you rescued from? Um, well, his final coming back to destroy and wipe out everybody. Yeah, but what about all the bad stuff you had to go through? Uh, whatever. Um, there's some of you who are like mid-tribbers, mid-tribulation people, right? Before it gets really bad, that's when he'll rapture up the church. I understand the arguments for, for all three, and you guys know uh, my personal stance is I'm more of a pre-trib guy. Um, I believe that he's going to rapture the church up, and then the seven-year tribulation will begin, okay? Um, that's what I believe. Um, the story of Enoch kind of just... It makes us think that way, because here's a person who had a relationship with God, who walked with God. One moment he was there, and the next moment he was gone. And his loved ones were left thinking, where'd he go? Where'd he go? His loved ones who knew that he had a relationship with God. They knew he had a relationship with God. And the idea, so he's got a family. Here's what I think. He's got a family. And if his faith, by faith, he was taken up, if he was told earlier on by God himself, I'm going to take you up so you, you will never die, more than likely he would communicate that to his loved ones. I mean, that's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, if one day I'm here and then the next day I'm gone, it might be because of this, because God told me he was going to take me up. Because his story circulates. It, it makes its way to Moses. I mean, they, they carry this story um, with them. And, and uh, lots, of, uh, lots of Jews, uh, scholars, Jewish scholars, and, and even Christian scholars um, believe that, you know, there's, there's a book of, of Enoch, if you don't know that. Um, it's a apocryphal book. Um, and it's actually quoted from Jude. He quotes from that book. Does that mean that the book of Enoch is inspired? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, is parts of it inspired or truthful? Of course, 
That's why, that's why Jude quoted from it. Um, should you read it? Go for it. I mean, go for it. Uh, it's, not like, it's not like these church leaders were trying to hide some truth from you so they didn't include it into the scriptures. Uh, that's not what it is at all. Jesus never quotes from the book of Enoch. Um, and even in the early church in the book of Acts, they don't quote, they don't cite the book of Enoch at all. And they don't, so you understand that. Jude quotes from it um, and all that good stuff. Uh, but it was treasured and valued, his, you know, some of the prophecies in there, by some scholars. But the things that he had said, he did say something. And what the phrase was that he said was carried on throughout the generation. So they knew this guy had a relationship. They knew that he walked with God. And then they also knew, like, one day he was there, and then the next day he was gone. And he told us, I believe, that God said, I'm going to take you. And that's what he did. And he took him. And he never died. Uh, there's some speculation that Enoch will be one of the two witnesses in the, that's spoken of in the book of Revelation, right? Enoch and Elijah, the only two people who never died. Okay, Elijah was taken up in the chariot of fire. Uh, Enoch, obviously taken up by the Lord. Um, whether that's true or not, that it's Enoch and Elijah in the book of Revelation, I mean, nobody can really say. Nobody can really say. It's a good idea because they never died. They can come back. Um, but I don't know. All I, all I know from Enoch is what this tells us and then what we're about to read in Genesis. But here's a man of God who walked with God. He had faith in God, and he was taken up. Uh, and he, he had this pleasing relationship with God based on his faith. It was based on his faith. Um, Hebrews chapter 6 says, without faith, this confident assurance that we have, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's more difficult or more challenging to please God. It says you cannot, absolutely cannot please God if you don't have faith in God. I mean, that's a heavy statement. Because if you take a step back and you look at that, there's a lot of people in the world who think they are doing good things that are pleasing God. But if you don't have faith in him, that he exists then why would he be pleased by those acts? Meaning there's no relationship that's there. Enoch pleased God. He was commended as having pleased God, as verse 5 finishes off there. And he he goes on to say, the author says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, which is what we want, right? You want to draw closer to him. You have to believe that he exists. Of course, that makes sense. That's very logical. You don't, want to, you don't draw near to something that doesn't exist. That would be illogical, right? And that's, that's, a, that's a difficult thing for some of our friends uh, and loved ones who don't believe in the existence of a God. I mean, they can't draw near to something that they don't believe in. We, we understand that. You have to believe that he exists, and then you can draw near to him. You can grow in that relationship with him. You must also believe the fact that he rewards those who seeks him. And I think that's the harder one for some of us to process and to live out. Some of us have no issue with God existing. But for whatever reason, we have a, we have a terrible time believing that he rewards us. It's, it's a hard thing. Why? Because we look at ourselves and we are our own worst critics. And I get it. Like, we're sinners. We make mistakes. We sin. And sometimes they're not even mistakes. They're just flat-out rebellion. Um, 
I get it. Like, we know who we are, but sometimes we, we almost like disqualify God from, be, from being who he is because we can't get our eyes off of ourselves. You believe he exists. Well, you should also believe that he rewards you. It says right there. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So you believe he's, he exists? Excellent. Pursue him. Seek him out daily, and he will reward you. Okay, cool. What's he going to reward me with? You know what? Spending time in his presence is reward enough. And I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying that he, do, he doesn't know how to like, and he won't reward you for drawing near to him or pursuing him or anything. He, he has, you know, he has his own methods, and he can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. And so if he wants to reward you with some material blessing, he can do that. That's his business. But I think the greatest reward is just, that in, is just drawing close to God. It's just getting closer to him. And what I've learned by reading and studying uh, old guys who have long since passed away, because that's mostly who I like reading books from, is I read the dead guys, okay? I read the dead guys because I have a hard time trusting the guys who are alive because I don't know what they're going to do tomorrow, honestly. Um, there's been too many stories of books that I have where I'm like, well, this guy's not, he, this person's not in the ministry anymore. I mean, so I'm like, give me the dead guys. Give me the dead guys. Give me the guys who finished well, right? <laughs> like, because I can, I can trust in that. Um, not that all the authors nowadays are bad. There's good stuff that's out there, but just give me the dead guys. Uh, they're, 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 they're not going to mess up. Um, they're, they're already gone. Uh, anyways, I've read so much from those guys, and it's, it's a constant thing, whether it's Charles Spurgeon, Andrew Murray, um, Tory, or, or you, you name it, Wearsby, uh, A.B. Simpson, Tozer, you name it. All these guys that I love, I admire, I respect. They all say the same thing. The closer I got to God, the more I realized how wretched I was. And it's all throughout, every single, every single person who has ever written about their relationship with God and drawing near to God, it, the closer you get to him, the more you realize, like, I'm pretty wretched. I'm pretty wretched. But that shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. That should be seen as, like, it's, it's a purifying thing. Like, yeah, Lord, search me. Know me. If there's some, something inside of me that shouldn't be there, then let's deal with it. There, there are rewards for growing closer to the Lord. And your personal holiness is one of those rewards, which we need more of. We need more of that stuff. This is what Enoch had. He was a guy who lived in the midst of a corrupt generation, and he wanted nothing but God. Fully satisfied with God Almighty and everything that he had, he had available for, for Enoch. So jump over to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. It's chilly in this front half of the building. Um, I don't know about you guys. I might have to put this hood up. Uh, just kidding. It's cold. Yeah, I'm an, I, 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 I'm just, I'm an islander now. Um, I get cold easily. I'm like, what time? It's 72. Jeez, I got goosebumps. Um, I'm just kidding. Hey, praise God, springtime's here. Oh, it's so nice. Springtime. Nice, clean surfing and all that good stuff rolling through. Oh, we got to love springtime, except for the jellyfish. Um, anyways, warm weather is back. Genesis chapter 5. 
This is a long list of like guys who were born and who died. You read through the Genesis chapter five. And, and um, just so you know, if you want to go a little bit deeper in this chapter, um, oh, what's his name? Chuck Missler. He, he has this really cool thing where he defines all these guys' names. And in their, in their, their name definition is actually the gospel message, which is really kind of cool if you look at it. Um, but Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler, Genesis chapter five. You can look that up. It's, it's really cool. But you know, you have this whole list of, of these individuals. And you know, Adam, Adam was, well, Adam was created. He wasn't ever born, but he he lived for this many years and he died. And then and then Seth. Seth lived for this many years and he died. Uh, and he just goes on and on and on, right? And then you get in, you get all the way down to to Enoch, verse 18. It says, then Jared had lived 162 years. He fathered Enoch. Jared lived another, or lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years, my goodness, and had other sons and daughters. All the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. My goodness, I just like, I see some articles where people are like, live to be 100. I'm like, why? Why would I want to live to be 100 years old? Uh, of course, back then, things were a little bit different, whatever. But so you got Jared, who gives, he has a son named Enoch. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived... 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Methuselah. You probably know that from your Sunday school days of like, that's the oldest man to ever have lived, right? Correct. Uh, it says, verse 22, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. Well, that's interesting clarification. He lived to be about 65 years old, and then he he and his wife gave birth to Methuselah. And then that moment changed everything for Enoch because then it says, then he walked with God. So for the first 65 years of his life, was he walking with God? It doesn't say he was, but it does say he was walking with God after Methuselah was born. Very fascinating. So this event, his firstborn child changed his life, which happens, that happens a lot. So he fathered Methuselah. He walked with God. He fathered Methuselah. He lived for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 23. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch, verse 24, walked with God. So it's repeated again. That's to place emphasis on this. And he was not, for God took him. Okay? So 65 years old, Methuselah is born. What is Methuselah? Why? That's a weird name. What's a weird name, dude? That's Methuselah. What does that mean? His death shall bring is what that name means. And it wasn't just like, you know what name sounds kind of cool? I was reading through this baby name book, and Methuselah just stood out to me. That's not how they did it back then. They picked his name because they were inspired to name him that. His death, Methuselah, his death shall bring. Okay, that's, that's one way, to, one way to, to translate that. I mean, it, there's other translations of that, but they all say the exact same thing. Meaning, in Methuselah's time, when he dies, something traumatic is going to happen. So Enoch was given a heads up at, at 65 years of age as he as his, you know, sees his, his son introduced to this world, and he names him Methuselah, meaning his death shall bring. Who 
is your hero of the faith? For me, it changes by the day and circumstances. Most of the time, I look at Joseph. He's a dreamer just like me, and he faced extraordinary hardship along the path that God laid out for his life. And then sometimes I look at Paul, who willingly suffered and gave up his freedom and his life for the sake of the gospel. I want to be like Paul, single-minded and devoted to the cause of Christ no matter what the world throws my way. And other times I look at Abraham, who received a promise and then waited years to watch God make it happen. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I can turn to scripture and know that I'm not alone. Looking at the heroes of faith gives me the courage to persevere in my own race. And that's why Pastor James Grizzle is bringing us the stories of these heroes in this series on Bread for the Broken. As he shares story after story, listen to the story that God is telling you. You can hold on to those stories and keep them for the day that you're going to need that encouragement and strength. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Are you in the area? We'd love to have you come see us. We're here on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. For more information and directions, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that website is breadforthebroken.com. And for those of you that can't make it in person, we live stream on Facebook. Well, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.